Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Matthew chapter number 12, excuse me, Matthew chapter number 2. I'm still getting used to my bifocals. Uh, sometimes words pop up that aren't there, numbers, all sorts of things. I want to take a moment and also uh, again say uh, thank you for your many kindnesses that you have shown over the last couple weeks as you have reached out to us concerning the health of my father. Uh, It is still a long journey and um, we appreciate your prayers. Uh, I confess I... uh, there are a multitude of, of, of things that um, upset me about the fact that, that my father is suffering the way he is. Um, but one of them is, is that it, it precluded him and my mother from going on vacation with us. And uh, I set this entire um, sermon series off with that vacation in mind uh, because my mother has a wonderful habit of saying look Ricky at everything that she uh, sees when she's traveling that she's never seen before and Eliza and I had a bet about how many look Rickies there were going to be uh, on the trip and uh, as I think about epiphany I think it's 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 a look Ricky moment it's a Except it's God saying, look, to look, look what I'm doing. Look what I want to do. And so as we come into the text today, that's the thought process that we should have. A hearing from God that says, look. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we know that grace abounds. And so, Lord, we pray that your grace would abound in us today as we hear your word. That we could look at where your hand is pointing us and we would go and run to it in the abundance of your grace, knowing that you were there carrying us through. Lord, give me the words that are needed for all who have gathered to hear from you today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We move from the season of Christmas and it's 12 days this week to the season of Epiphany. Epiphany starts when... The Magi make their arrival in Bethlehem. And epiphany is an ancient term that means to bring to light. So 
when we are celebrating the season of Epiphany, it allows us to enter a season of, of revelation, if you will, of God's plan for how He is currently and plans to work in the church. We can see that revelation and we can seize it and move with it. Now, as we come to the Magi account here in Matthew chapter 2, it reveals to us some vital pieces of information that we must keep in mind about God's revealing His plan if we are to experience epiphany in its fullest. These are some things that we should uh, bolo. Bolo, yes. Be on the lookout for. Bolo. The first thing we should bolo for are folks who are seeking the revelation of God's plan that you and I might not expect are seeking that revelation or even think should be seeking that revelation. Look with me at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 in Matthew. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. You know, I, I said... Uh, uh, on Christmas Eve, well, Eliza said for me on Christmas Eve, uh, that the story of Christmas has been sanitized by us. And, and I think one of the key points of that sanitization is that we no longer think about how absolutely jaw-dropping it was to have the Magi suddenly arrive first at Herod and then in Bethlehem. Because when we think about God-seekers, these are not the folks that we are thinking about generally. These are folks who certainly aren't worshiping God. They are off in a faraway land, probably either Babylon or Persia or somewhere in the middle. They're astrologers, so they're looking up at the sky and they see the star and they, they know there's going to be a king... And they suddenly go to seek this king. You know, the fact that they, they dabble in astrology would be for some of us, uh, we would refer to them as new age. And because their form of spirituality doesn't match up to what we believe spirituality should look like, we would ignore them completely. But we should understand that, that the Magi's appearance in the narrative of Jesus' birth occurs as a leftover, if you will, from Daniel. How are they to even know about the Jews? How are they to even know about the fact that, that there is going to be a coming king of the Jews if Daniel, who had been so instrumental in all of those Persian and Babylonian courts, had not left a record behind. And so, here we have all of those many centuries later, people 
who are, are looking for a king. And because of what Daniel has done, the seeds that Daniel planted have been brought to fruition. We live in a world that is full of seedlings, beloved. But sadly, we never do anything with them. We should not be shunning these seedlings. We should be seeking to cultivate them and harvest them. Because we live in a world that is quite spiritual. They're looking all the time, but they don't necessarily know what they're looking for. You and I, though, don't even have conversation with them. So we don't exactly know what it is that they're saying or, or understand or seek to find the underlying context of what they're saying. We just don't listen to them and ignore them. And in doing so, we miss the spiritual seekers that are all around us. Or we pick up on it a little bit and then we just use them. We use them in pawns of chess games in churches. And we call on them to sacrifice their lives for us instead of sacrificing their lives for God. We cast them down paths that are not spiritually minded but further some situation that we want furthered. Beloved, there's a ton of people in our world today who are spiritual, as I said, but they're not religious. They're contemplative. They're thinking through all the time. They want something that is deep. And what do we offer? A worship show. They want to be listened to. They want their questions answered they do not want to be force-fed baby food that masquerades as answers, which sadly is what is done far too often in the pulpits of America today. They are not seeking shallowness. They are not seeking a shallow faith. They understand that life is full of depth and meaning and they want a faith that matches that depth and more importantly I think for so many of them because of the lives that they have led because of of just simply the turmoil that they have lived through in their lives and, and you have to think that for say the typical 25 year old right now in America all that they have endured they have seen a world turned upside down. They have seen an attack on our nation on 9-11. They have seen a financial crisis grip our nation that turned everything upside down and, and people lost their homes and they're still struggling to get out from underneath that, some of them. And for the last two years, they have endured a, a pandemic that has just completely overwashed things. They have sunk to depths that, that you and I might not can even understand. And when we present a shallow faith, that faith is so shallow that it can't go to the depths of where they are, answer their questions 
about the meanings of all this, about where is God and how does God work in all this. And because of that, we miss them. When what we should be looking for is those who are seeking and meet them where they are and bring to them a depth of faith that they deserve. We cannot ignore these folks. In fact, we should be doing like Mary and Joseph did. Look at verse number 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Can you imagine just for a second... There's a knock at the door. We presume it's a door. They still may be in the cave right now. There's a knock, though, we'll say, at the door. And here are these guys dressed up in wardrobe that certainly is not something that they see every day in little Bethlehem. And what do they do? Mary and Joseph don't say, hey, dude, you look weird. Go away. No, that's not what they do. They offer them hospitality. Come on in. And as they come in, these guys who are, who are by the way, these just aren't guys who are showing up in weird clothes. I have to believe they're acting a little funny. Because back to verse number 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. These fellows are probably giddy. So now you have a bunch of giddy people dressed up funny. I don't know about you, but if Scarlett and I were walking down the street and we see people who are dressed what we be as funny and they're acting a little weird, I'd take her by the hand and what would I do? We would move around. They say, come on in. And what happens? The Magi confirm yet again in this family that God has spoken. Not are only are Mary and Joseph with the Christ child meeting their needs, but the Magi are meeting Mary and Joseph's needs. And it all centers around hospitality. Hospitality that we must remember was not afforded to Mary and pregnant, pregnant Mary and Joseph. As they got put out to the stable. Beloved, we must exhibit hospitality. We must exhibit a welcoming heart and a welcoming presence to all those who are seeking if we are ever to see where God is going to be at work amongst us. 
Is it always easy? No. Does it force us to have conversations that we are, for the most part, uncomfortable with? Yes. But do we learn and grow in the process? You betcha. Why do we like to go off to places when we're on vacation that are different from where we live or what we are used to? Is so that we can learn and experience things differently and seek to be in a broader conversation. Jesus did that throughout his life. He went to places and spoke to people that no one expected him to do so. And in doing so, he changed their lives and he changed the area around them such that, as you recall, a woman one day who was not had the greatest of past went back into her town at the noon hour and said, come see a man. Beloved, when we reach out when we shine, as Isaiah 60 says, God will bring people to us to know more about Him. Secondly, though, we should understand that we should be on the lookout for folks who should be looking for the revelation of God, but aren't. Look at verse number 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes to, of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, so it is written by the prophet, O you, O Bethlehem, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. What a strange story. You would think that Herod would know about where the Messiah would come from, but he doesn't. He has to go and seek out, and they have to figure out where all this is. And so they, they have to go back and to consult all the people that should know and should be looking, constantly looking. Well, they aren't. They put on a good game. Herod says, tell me, how long has it been? And I, oh yeah, come back and tell me where he's at because I want to go and worship him. But Herod's already laying the groundwork for what will be known as the slaughter of the innocents that will occur in the passage right after the one that we're reading today. Why? Because Herod is intimidated by the revelation. Herod is afraid of the revelation. All of Jerusalem is vexed, it says in the text this morning. They're deeply disturbed. Why is that? Because in seeing the revelation, things are going to change. The arrival of the king of the Jews, the Messiah, is going to upend everything. And Herod 
can't have that because that means his power, his riches, his fame, his wealth, his desires are going to be brought into question. It's a reminder that, that later on in the life of this king, these same priests who have assembled here will once again assemble and say in John's gospel, it's either him or us. And we have to get rid of him to preserve what we have. Beloved, are you looking for the revelation of God yourself today? Or are you intimidated by it? The work of God in this world is constantly unfolding. And you and I are called to be working with it, not working against it, either by our blind ignorance or with our infatuation with the status quo. A reminder that when we are called to be in the vine, to abide in the vine, it means that we are to grow. Growth involves change. I have had to learn this lesson a lot. I've had to learn this lesson a lot in just the last three weeks. As suddenly my position in our family has changed. As I have had to think through issues that I did not want to have to think through. And have to come up with things that I just didn't want to have to come up with. To take roles I did not want to have to take. Because things changed. And I had to grow in them. My mother has had to do the same. My father has had to do the same. When we don't seek to change, beloved... When we don't seek to grow into the new reality that God has presented to us. We are doing a couple of things. We are denying what God has given us. Which is never what we should do. But we are also denying the opportunity to grow immensely. And when we lose the opportunity to grow immensely. We lose the ability to impact others. Thankfully, thankfully, the scribes and the Pharisees gave the right answer about where this king of the Jews was going to be born in Bethlehem. For you see, the Magi could only get so far. The star only carried them so far. They had to know which direction to go. In fact, some scholars believe that the star appeared to them in Babylon or Persia or wherever it was they were, and they began their journey, and then the star vanished. But they knew where they needed to go, so they went to Jerusalem. They went to where Herod was. And then, if you'll notice, it says that the star appeared again. So it, it, that's what they think. So they, they're blind. They're running blind. They need an answer. Because natural revelation could only take them so far. They had to be taught by the scriptures how to go further to find this king. And the only way they could do that were people who were willing to share that. Really, people who were willing to, to say that. 
Herod was not willing to do it except for any other means than to protect his power. God calls us to grow, beloved, so that when people do come into our, our, our sphere of influence and ask us the questions that they have about a God who they are seeking, you and I can give them that answer. We can help them through the scriptures to get past the point of their seeking and get them to the point of finding. We should not be working against them. We should be working with them. Which means ultimately we should be seeking as well what it is that God is trying to do in and through us and say to us. And as we do that, as I have already alluded to, we should be on the lookout for the fact that God reserves the right to change our course after coming to sight. Look at verse number 12. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, not to tell him where the child was that they found, they went another way. I suspect it wasn't the easy way. It could have been the long way around, but they went. Throughout Matthew's opening lines, God speaks through dreams to dramatically change the narrative that is in place at any given point in time. It is in a dream that God says to Joseph, yes, you should take Mary to be your wife, that what she says is true. You should not put her away. It is through a dream that God will speak to Joseph and say, look, you need to take this little family of yours and flee to Egypt. It is through a dream that he will be told to take the family back to Israel from Egypt. It is through a dream that the Magi go home differently. And then interestingly enough, the dreams quit in Matthew. The way God was speaking then changed. And he spoke ever louder through his son. Beloved, today, are you willing to change direction to hear God afresh? Or are you willing to just stay where you are in the deafening silence? Are you willing to change direction when God says go and go in a direction that you've never been before? Or are you going to put up a fight with God? I think that's the thing that we need to remember. We put up fights with God. We may think we're fighting somebody else, but we're putting up a fight with God. Aren't we glad that the Magi didn't do that? I don't know what impact the Magi had when they went back home. I have no clue if they told, if they were like the shepherds. I, 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 I don't know. The scripture is, is, is 
utterly blank on that front. But I know that they went seeking. They found hospitality. They found someone who, who told them the true story in Mary and Joseph. And then they went back home. Changed, inevitably. There's a group that hears the story and they don't change. That's Herod and his cronies. Which will we be today? Which will we be? And as you make that, as you determine that answer, don't fall prey to simply saying, well, I'm already on the lookout and that be sufficient. This sermon title is inspired by my fellow undergraduates at the University of North Carolina sometime in the fall of 1997 or 98. I cannot remember the exact year. There had been an attack on campus and a sketch artist had drawn an image of the attacker. And all over campus was an, the image of the attacker. And underneath the image, it said, Bolo. Here are some of the brightest minds that are in the state. The next leaders of North Carolina are being trained in the seats of the classrooms where this sign is on every bulletin board. And what do these great leaders, these great thinkers, these great students think of this? They think that the guy's name is Bolo. And so he was referred to as Bolo by everybody. And when it finally came out what his name was, there was actually an article in the Daily Tar Heel about the fact that his name wasn't Bolo, despite what all of us thought it was. And hence, that's when I learned that Bolo meant be on the lookout. You see, beloved, you can be Boloing on all the wrong things. So are you on the lookout for the right thing? Are you looking out for those that you can share faith with? Are you looking out for those that you can say, yeah, I'll listen to your questions. I won't treat you with disrespect or contempt, but I will listen and I will show you, and I will not use you as a pawn in some, some chess game, but I, I myself am willing to go deeper in my experience with God so that I can help you in the depths of where you are. I will provide radical hospitality I will not be like Herod, but I will be like Mary and Joseph. And I will be willing, Lord, to change directions. I will simply say, as I believe the postlude today is titled, Yes, Lord, Yes. Is that how you're starting off your year, beloved? 
I pray that it is. Would you join me for prayer? Kind Father, help us to be on the lookout. Help us to understand, Lord, that not everyone is on the lookout and be aware of what they are trying to do. And steer clear. But more importantly, to steer clear the the real seekers out of their path. Help us to be opening, Lord. Open, Lord. To where you would have us to go. To who you would have us to talk to. And be willing, Lord, that no matter how they may seem different, understand that we all are seekers in the same boat. And that, Lord, you, des- you desire for all of us to have answers, to, to have a continuous epiphany. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound.